Get in the hot tub, Pat. Do we have a hot tub? We do now. It's a hot tub time machine of an episode, and we're going all the way back to October of 2015 for another archival episode of Repeater. Please tell me we're not stuck in a time loop. We are not. We just lost a couple episodes, and now we've found them. Consider this a $20 bill you find in your winter coat. Or, if you live in L.A., your winter Speedo. Uh, right. Well, anyway, our guest is New York native and super talented human Elliot Glazer. Elliot has worked on television shows such as New Girl, Younger, Best Week Ever, and Broad City. Oh, yeah. And he's one hell of a singer, too. That's one impressive dude. Our musical guest for this show is Mickey Hommel, who is based in New York City but has toured all over the U.S. and Europe. So, you know, she's cool. And now we shut up. Thanks for being here. This is Repeater. Hey, everybody. Hi. Uh, Welcome to Repeater. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, This is Pat Cartelli. And this is Evan Barden. Yeah. Uh, So um, what Repeater is, uh, we call it um, a little show about big songs. So the idea is that um, we have a guest on each show who to talk about a song that means a lot to them or that they really love or really like or something along those lines. Um, uh, something has a story behind it, maybe. So, for example, for Pat, uh, Pat likes this song by Radiohead called Everything in Its Right Place. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Cool. I did it. Um, <laughs> and the story that I won't tell you is that it sort of alludes to a foggy night driving around the San Francisco Bay Area. It's very spooky. Uh, And the song that Evan really likes is Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton because it reminds him of his high school sweetheart, Becky. So close. Rebecca. Middle middle school sweetheart, Uh, Brittany. (laughs) Listen, it wasn't me. Um, But but yeah, the idea is that there's like... (laughs) (laughs) It could have been you. No, it couldn't. We didn't live anywhere near each other. another time. Um, but so the basic idea is that, you know, there's stories behind a lot of songs that people like, uh, and it's always just fun to hear those stories and hear, uh, why people like certain songs. Um, so without further ado, let's welcome up, uh, our guest for tonight. Uh, everyone, please welcome to stage Elliot Glazer. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, so if you don't know who Elliot is, we're going to tell you. <laughs> this is Elliot. Uh, he's a writer on the show Younger and Broad City. Also has appeared on Broad City. What's wrong with my mind? <laughs> or my body? <laughs> I don't know. Adjust. Usually get left. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You got it. All right. This is very NPR. <laughs> Dulcitones. Yeah, so writer and performer. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. Currently writing, well, we're shooting the second season of Younger, which shoots in New York here. And then um, Broad City shoots also in New York. We write it in New York, but we write 
younger in LA. So I go back and forth. A lot of travel. A lot of travel. I love it though. You're all over the I place. I love it. Yeah. Jet setting between <laughs> one and two places. <laughs> Occasionally Long Island. Ooh, what's out there? My parents. Hey now. <laughs> Is that where you grew up? Yes, unfortunately. Yes. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. No, it's 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 fine. I could if you if I took you out there with a pair of blinders on, I could like make it look really nice. But then if I took the blinders off, you'd be like, yikes. Like it just just so much so much um so much um like like the fashion still sort of sits between 1989 and 1999. It has not changed. <laughs> cargo shorts, cargo pants, oh, like yeah. fr- a lot of storage. Oh, chin strap beards. Like it's, 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 it's insane. Platform flip flops, but not like, not like Robin, not like ironic flat platform. Right. It's like, Oh, they're like juicy or like Bebe or whatever. Do people on Long Island still wear Oakley's? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> With the with the string around the neck, yeah, just yeah. so you don't lose your beautiful Oakleys. But when they're inside, they just put them around their neck, right? <laughs> yeah. They just flip them with back. the string, put them back. Oh, yes, God. it's a hideous sartorial <laughs> place. Um, yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah, but it's pretty. I mean, there are pretty parts if I bring you to like oh, yeah. the beaches or um, you know, the beaches. That's pretty much you guys it. Because of wineries now, right? There are wineries. Yep, that's like the Hamptons. So okay. that's like going out east. It's kind of like, you know, Brooklyn, cool, Queens, cool, Nassau, it's like very, um, well, it, Nassau's county sort of looks like Queens, but it's like like more Jewish and it, it's very Jappy. It's like real. it's very, very Jappy. Mm-hmm. And then Suffolk County, and I'm like from the edge. And so it's like where we're from in Suffolk County is like just west enough that it's still um, a lot of Guidos, like it's a very, very heavily saturated, like Guido culture mm-hmm. and very like, I mean, truly very like Jersey shore, very like South Brooklyn. Um, and then some Asians, some Jews, not a single person of color. And then you go East and it's like trash, 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 the Hamptons, that's <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> that's the geography of Long Island. Cool. That's the breakdown. Yeah. It's like, that's like the trash part is where like the potato farms were and also like Nazis, honestly. Mm-hmm. And then the Hamptons. <laughs> yeah. And there are no Nazis in the Hamptons. I don't think. Hopefully not. Or I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a very bizarre place. It's a, it, like, it really is. Everyone like, I think tends to like to say I'm from, you know, X, Y, Z. So naturally I, whatever I'm from a small town. So whatever it's it, where I'm from. Is, it, it is a, like a truly bizarre place. That's like a, mixed it's like a it's like a melting pot of like white people like a, it's like a melting <laughs> pot of just white culture yeah but it's so, it's so weird and then like growing up n- not having like I, I think i had more of an accent but it wasn't heavy and my friends and i even like it's weird to be like born into the community but then at a certain point even like in teenage years be you're still you are sort of aware enough to know that you're not that like mm-hmm. right. we like where I grew up was very um very much like Jer- like the Jer- like the show Jersey Shore America was like whoa are those people real like <laughs> how do they why do they think they're so attractive when they're not and they're so gross <laughs> and like that is what we grew up around and so like me and my sister and our friends we were just like 
hello? Like, help, 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 help. It's so weird. And so, yeah, it's like, also like being, like I was in the closet and not for fear of being gay, but for fear of the equation of being gay to not being macho enough. Because like the barometer of everything is set by how macho you are. And it's, it's, it's a, I can't like, it's, I've thought about it a lot clearly, but it's so weird because like the macho factor, like, like I think in the rest of the country, the idea of like homecoming queen and homecoming king and queen are like, Oh, the most popular, pretty, you know, good looking, whatever. And where we grew up, it's like the two people with like the most the most mafia connections possible. <laughs> the homecoming queen's father was literally in jail for, you know, something mafia related, and he had a waste management company. You know, it's like, and she looked like, uh, you know, she truly looked like um, a drag queen. Like she, like the make, like all makeup, all the hair, and it was like, and all the guys, in, despite being all about being like super macho they actually look the gayest because they're like tweezed and tanned and manicures and it's like it's a mind fuck it's like where <laughs> am i it's got to be a confusing place to be an adolescent for sure though oh it's so so weird it's so confusing I love deeply it. deeply confusing yeah cool uh, well, so the first thing we like to do on the show is, um, we just like to give a quick rundown of what we've been listening to lately. Um, so, uh, Pat, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Uh, so I just picked up this album by Michael Cronin called MC3. Uh, it's cool, like psych, surfy, poppy kind of music. Uh, very good for the summer. So good thing I started it now when the temperature <laughs> started plummeting, but, uh, give it a listen. Michael Cronin. Michael Cronin. M I K A L. So is it like Best Coast, like Lana Del Rey, like Lake <laughs> Waves or whatever? No, it's a little more uh, like Ty Siegel. Uh, Ty Siegel, whatever. I don't know how to say your name, dude. Uh, it's a lot more fuzzy and like intense. So more like Waves, I guess. What would we? What is the? What is the Pitchfork? Um, like niche name beach house or whatever or it's like <laughs> stu- something gay shoe gaze shoe yeah or like I what spotify mood would it be on right what spot uh i mean it might be on that scandinavian depression mm-hmm. uh, but you know like <laughs> that's in a, a cheery kind of way is that a playlist it on is spotify? i fell asleep to it the other night <laughs> It's like Roiksop, right? Yeah, it, I mean, it's Roiksop. really nice. Yeah, It's all in Swedish, so I didn't understand what they were sad about. They're so good at music. They are so good at music. It's true. All different kinds. Like, yeah. what is in the water there? Well, it's dark know. all the time. They stay inside. Is that, what ha- is that I, it? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Abba, Robin, Roiksop, all these, like, Max Martin, all these, like, music prodigies basically something is happening in scandinavia <laughs> yeah scandinavia there's a there's a norwegian um i think uh bluegrass band it's like wow. the, i think they're called the kruger brothers and my dad like loves them um but they are they're like the fastest pickers in all of bluegrass and they've you know learned the music without ever being in the united states they're so weird i love them <laughs> <laughs> is ace of bass swedish no i don't think so they are. Yeah. Did you guys know? I don't know if you talked about this on 
a show, but apparently one of the guys in Ace of Base was a former Nazi sympathizer. No, not just a Nazi sympathizer, a neo-Nazi. And he had a band that was not like a Nazi band. And it like came to surface right, I think, as they were getting big and, you know, in the 90s. And he sort of, like, he had like a very um, almost in all like his response to it was like i made my mistakes let's move on and which was like eh, <laughs> we could <laughs> use a little more mistakes. you know that's just a pat on the head like <laughs> you were a nazi and so there's a whole article on like cracked i think mm-hmm. that is so fascinating about all the nazi imagery in ace of base and all all the songs that we knew and listened to and like were too young to really give a lot of thought to. And I brought it up to a friend and he was like, Oh yeah. Like my temple or whatever banned Ace of Base from our, like from our like Hadassah dance or something. I don't know, like whatever, some Sunday school party, but like, yeah, apparently like people knew that this Nazi stuff was happening when we were all children singing, potentially like singing about like the Aryan race. (laughs) As kids at like bar mitzvahs and sweet sixteens, how fucked up is that? Whoa! Look into it. That has not come up on the show before. Well, look into it. <laughs> Ace of base Nazis talking cool. a lot about the Nazis. I'll refrain. No, we'll get more into it. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, the thing I've been listening to uh, is um, there's a new release from this this band. They're actually like a four piece. I guess you'd call them a bluegrass band, bluegrass string music, a uh, band called Mipso from North Carolina. And they have a new album out called uh, Old Time Reverie. Uh, it's a cool album because they're definitely a bluegrass band, but they, um, I think they've like spent a couple, uh, lead singers spent a couple summers, I think, in New York. So there's like these bluegrass songs about the four train and about like uh, going up Broadway, like all this stuff. And it's really cool and interesting. Um, there's all there's like a little community here, actually, I think, because that guy, the guy who plays guitar in that band studied with this other dude, Michael Daves, who lives in Brooklyn. Um, Chris Thiele lives in Brooklyn, who's like a mandolin oh, player who's really from famous. Nickel Creek? He lives here? Yeah, he lives here now. Wow. And he and Daves play together. And so like there's this odd little thing where there's like all these bluegrass artists living in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, there's a band I love called Hem Mm -hmm. and they are in, they, I think, I don't know if they're still together, but they were in Brooklyn and they're like very, I don't know if they're bluegrass, but they're sort of like that very cozy, warm, like Mm. Americana vibe. Sure. And they're like in Brooklyn, which blows my mind. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so what have you been listening to lately? Um, I'm pulling it up. I, uh, um, Jojo, I yep. love Jojo. Cool. So she was like a tw- like a tween pop star right. when we were kids, and then she grew up and had like battles with her um, with her record labels, mm-hmm. or you know, and, and but she's now like twenty two or twenty three, twenty four. But subsequently, all the music she's made has is amazing, and it's like really incredibly like progressive very like challenging R&B, which I love. Like that's my favorite type of music. It's like challenging R&B. R&B that sort of like pushes the boundaries like Frank Ocean or mm-hmm. uh, whatever. But she is uh, astonishing. And so she has a, she, has, she calls it a, th- a thringle, I think. So it's like, an, it's not an EP, but it's not a single. Okay. So it's three singles sure. or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've been listening to that and the new Janet Jackson album and Disclosure. I'm just going down the list. <laughs> One Duran Duran song. <laughs> Thundercat. 
I don't even know who he is, but I found a song that's amazing. Um, and I honestly love, um, love that a couple of songs from Demi Lovato's new album. (laughs) I love her. I think she's got a really beautiful, interesting voice that is kind of weird for Mm -hmm. pop music. And I like how she uses, you know, she can scream, but it works. I love that. You know, Katy Perry can scream and it's, you know, fine or it's like it's like <laughs> right. fixed but Demi Lovato has a, a really strong voice and I guess as a vocalist that's what I'm like really into yeah yeah cool yeah awesome awesome uh so uh we asked you to basically give us a song that you like a lot or that means a lot to you um yeah. so what uh what song did you choose well it was very very easy I mean it's very easy for me because I've sort of I've decided this is my favorite song of all time. And I thought, cause I, I'm a big music fan and like, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm very picky with music. Um, I think I may be like, I think I'm like a little autistic when it comes to music and the way that I listen to it. And I can't like, I, I could never do Spotify or Pandora because I don't have the patience to wait through song. Like I, I can't. And I, I listen to songs on repeat and it's not good. I don't think it's great, but, uh, <laughs> but it was easy for me to pick the song. If by Janet Jackson Ooh, from yeah. 1993 from the album Janet. Oh God. It's so good. Uh, let's, we have a clip of it um, that we can play for everyone. So let's take a listen to it. Oh, wait. Just the pre-chorus. That's good. That's good. That's good. Thank you. It's like you're in space. It's like, I mean, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not like a big, I'm not into rock music primarily or like rock and roll or whatever you want to call that. But this song like somehow does this incredibly seamless marriage of really good R&B or whatever you want to call it, like urban, it bends urban with like early nineties. It's not grunge, but it's like, that sort of like that's eh, like that that middle ground between like rock and roll and grunge. You know, yeah. it's it's rhythmic and it's got and it's very up tempo, but it's like lots of electric guitar. And I personally am not. I don't like listening to music that's like mostly electric guitar for the most part for some reason. But this song, I'm like, I love it. I love I love how it all comes together. I think it's really, it's like a weird song. You know, the music video was insane. <coughs> It's crazy. If dance. you have a chance to look up the music video, it's wild. There's like touchscreens before touchscreens existed. Oh my God. It's very um, like Egyptian and Janet is like, and this was for me. I mean, I was 10 when it was, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, when it was popular and it was, I, for me, it was that sort of like, I was just young enough or just old enough to be like, oh, to have like a clue about like sex things. And so <laughs> it was like, it just sort of like turned a light switch on where I was like, Oh, and I, I, I was able to, I guess, see things in a different light. If that, Oh yeah. Not like yeah. in a gross way, Well, there was nothing no. gross about it, but I was just like, <laughs> well, 
oh, there's some sort of like relationship there. And like, and then I remember there's that part where like Janet grabs the guy's head and like spins it around. I was like, whoa, something's <laughs> happening. There is a lot of grabbing in that music video. Yeah. It's very sexy. It's it's she looks incredible, and like it's so funny to look back now because like you like yes like the nineties are back, but she's wearing basically like uh, mom jeans and an applique vest, <laughs> and she still looks she looks amazing. And it's like that could be like that could be oh, yeah. something that yeah. like somebody wears to a church picnic these days or like ten years ago, <laughs> and yet she looks incredible. So I would have been, so I was eight when that album came out and I went back like uh, over the weekend and was like, oh yeah, this album, do I remember it at all? And I looked at the album cover and immediately was just like, oh, I remember this album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is is the poster of Janet Jackson with a guy cupping her bare breasts. Love it. And it was like probably one of the most tantalizing images of my childhood. Yeah, you easy. You just don't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because as a kid, especially as a kid, you're like, what What are they holding on to? Why are they why? holding on to those? What do they feel like? But truly, like, why, like why, why are their hands on the boobies? You know, like, as a kid, you're like, who's, why are they holding the boobies? But then, you know, as a sexual person, you're like, Oh, I get why they're holding the boobies. Okay, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, she's gorgeous. It's sexual, but it's a weird. It's a weird image that does. It just doesn't leave your head. Mm-hmm. But it's also very um, sort of emblematic of the time. I guess, like, I guess, like editorially, mm-hmm. it's all, it, like the covers black and white, mm-hmm. and like a lot of her or that video. Like, she was just sort of. I think she sort of um, encompassed that, like high fashion like mid early 90s thing where it was a lot of black and white a lot of like shadows you know that what it and it just it still was sort of like i guess like i'm thinking a lot of like the video she did on the beach i forget the name of the song of course but like there and then there was like the george michael video with all the supermodels it just mm-hmm. felt i think that she really like encompassed that at the time at least with that album photo you just right, don't forget yeah. that you just don't forget an image that simple and clean but still so evocative and i think some of the albums the art when you took it out would unfurl and be full body oh right oh yeah wait uh, from that album yeah uh, oh wow that's right yeah if you look at the cd cover it's just like here right you know hands behind her head or whatever and then when you undo the the album booklet then you get the full body janet wow that is marketing 101 (laughs) wow that is great and That's I think brilliant. some of the yeah. commentary like around that album, it seems like is basically like that was her big coming out album. Cause she was sort of like a lot more, um, I guess like the, the word would be like reserved. Well, no, previ- I mean, like she was a lot more like love Lorne in previous albums versus like, this was a hyper sexualized album. This song is not even the most sexual song on this album. No. There's a song called throb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is out of control. <laughs> I listened to it today. Her moan is a part of the beat. Yeah. But you never felt like she was um, being sexy for sexy's sake or being sexy without, with a lack of control. I mean, maybe because she sort of laid the groundwork before. With, with the album control. With the album control. <laughs> but that was like her thing. She really like burst out of her shell as like a kid star by doing these albums where she was very um, sort of 
militant and yes. in charge and bossy and which was brilliant. And so this was like a sexual awakening for her, but you never, it never, I mean, at least to me, it never felt like even looking back, it never felt like she was doing it just to do the sort of like sexy thing, like the way Brittany did it or mm-hmm. Christina, or even like, I don't know, Selena Gomez or Miley Cyrus, where there's, it just, it just, does, even if it was calculated at the time for Janet, it still felt like she was doing it with an air of, um, you know, ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely comes across more as like, this is who I am and not like, here's a bunch of marketing decisions. Right. Um, oh, I love it. I love her. I love her. And her newest album, too, is like similarly... Um, challenging in that way i guess it's the music the music's good it's it's okay the album's not amazing but i think the most um interesting part of it for me at least is that she very clearly has chosen not to do what madonna does to stay relevant which is be like crazy and like <laughs> crazy and hypersexual and hiring the same producers to write the same sounding songs for her that they have for Whoever Bieber or what you know Mariana Grande, all the uh, the uh, Mark Ronson, the, uh, yeah, whatever. Like the, the Janet's uh, album is very much in the in the school of what she likes to do, mm-hmm. um, and she's still. I still think it's really cool, and she does it with um, ter- uh, I think their names are Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Yes, those, are those the guys are, that made like all of her hits, including If. Yeah, including If. So they're to me like just to. I mean, I'm sure they've gotten their due. I know they were like big with Prince. They like, they were part of the Minneapolis. I think they almost got ousted by Prince. Like he fired them actually. On like oh, really? Tour. Well, I mean, he brought them back into the fold later, but it was uh, something like they went to go work on their own side project and Prince would not have it. Oh, he was like, sure. you're mine. Yeah. <laughs> he belonged, they belonged to him, but they rectified. Yeah. They got back together. Well, they're sort of the, the purveyors of her sound. Yeah. They and had something like eight, eight chart-topping hits with just her. Yeah, I went back through her. See, this is why I'm like, I think I, ha- I have like musical autism, but I went back <laughs> through her Wikipedia and downloaded every single song that she did with Jam and Lewis mm-hmm. from that, like throughout all time. So I have every single song <laughs> that she has done <laughs> since like 1986 <laughs> with with the two of them, not every song that she's done, just the songs with them for <laughs> right. my crazy ears. But I mean, that's like what you like, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I do. Um, and this song to me is like the, you know, someone, it's like the epitome of what they all could do experimentally and what they were allowing themselves to, to be opened up to musically, which was something, again, this is like technically an R and B song, but it sounds like rock. It sounds like rock and roll. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I had never heard the song before. Oh, okay. And, uh, what the guitar was really caught me off guard and not in like a weird way. It was just, it's a really funky guitar. Yeah. And the guitar solo in it is like the most abstract thing. Like, yeah, well, that's the dance breakdown where yeah. it's like the dun, 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 I can't do it, but it's like they, close. they did this like crazy, this like crazy movement across the. It was insane. It's like it's insane. It's great. Yeah, all in mom jeans. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's really interesting because um, it was like a pretty genre bending little song, actually. Uh, the whole and I don't through. know if at the time it was perceived as that that way or like mm-hmm. given credit for kind of bending 
being, you know, bending the genres. I don't know. I just know for me, I'm like, it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love is it. it. What, so what is it like that? Um, I think you've like probably spoken to a lot of it already, but this is your favorite song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like in theory, right? It's been in the rotation since yeah. 93 to some extent. And, yeah. um, is it like, is it just really like all those musical elements? Is it what it meant in Janet's career? Like, no, it's the musical stuff. And also like the core, the chords are like to try to like play it on the piano, you know, like I can play by ear a little bit. I mean, for the most part, it always, for some reason, sent out, like ends up sounding like shitty lounge music or like, like circus music. <laughs> like, dun, dun, or like, just like a lot of like Sousa. It's like, how did I get there? And what's my brain doing? But, uh, but ultimately like, it's hard to like under, it's hard to like sort of pick the song apart musically and like mm -hmm. hear the chords. It sort of defies melody, which I find it so, which is why I think I find it so like enamoring because mm -hmm. I can't, I can't really analyze it. I can't really pick it apart. I mean, in, in, um, in college, I was in an acapella group and the, like the most, I think fun or challenging part of that is like, I, I was the guy, I was the one who like pushed the group to be more progressive and like avoid um, just doing like Carol King and like <laughs> doing songs where there would be, I, well, I, there, I had a whole thing where I was like, no black and flair. No, that's done. We're at, it's out. No more black and flair. No dance. We're not dancing. There's no dancing. I just sort of like went in and like, Gleed the place up a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I feel like acapella groups have an obs this was at least my experience. They have an obsession with like usually mid to like mid 90s kind of like lame rock bands, <sighs> like, they, like, oh. like that, like that Toad the Wet Sprocket song, Walk on the Ocean. Is that oh. what it is? I don't know, uh, but we, oh, we, there's like a lot of like tonic oh. gets done on acapella <sighs> a lot. There was, st we did it, we did, um. Mm, we did stay by Dave Matthews and every time mm -hmm. it would start, I would, I would, I just would be, I at a certain point I was like, no, 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 <laughs> nope, no, no, I, 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 I'm protesting Same, like just, yeah, there was like, they love that like mid nineties, like just that like banal rock nonsense it just didn't it wasn't bad music but it was like not worth spending a, days breaking down musically and then building back up for for a for 10 voices you know mm -hmm. um but to me that was the most challenge that was like the most interesting part and so i would i personally like to push songs like this into our repertoire so that we could actually have breakdown songs that are like really challenging to the ear and i think this is this to me is like the epitome of that mm -hmm. but like Basement Jacks or Zero Seven, these songs that you're just, these bands that would really like fuck with noise. Mm -hmm. That was like my favorite, that's like my favorite type of sound is music that like, like Disclosure now, Disclosure uses like sound effects that you're like, where is that from? What is that? Is that a voice? Is that a machine? Is that from a library? And it becomes like incredible music. Mm -hmm. And that just, it's just like, and this song does that for me. It's like, it's just very, um, it's not about the, I don't, I barely, I don't like listen to lyrics. I listen to like melody and noise and sound. And that is what sort of compels me to listen to a song. And this is, for me, this is the epitome of that. It's just like, you can't break it apart. You can't, you can't yeah. break it apart. It's like, you can't break it apart. It's like a bizarre <laughs> jigsaw puzzle yeah. that will never be able to put, be put back together. Cause it's so, 
I, I, I would love to see the sheet music for it, but I would never do that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's like uh, one of the really interesting things about you as a performer and a writer is like maybe a lot of people don't know that you're a musician and that right. you're a vocalist. And sure. That's yeah. like a huge part of, I feel like, who you are, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I do a show um, every month here at the Bell House in Brooklyn called uh, Haunting Renditions. And it's a live show with a five-piece band where I sing... Um, like these lush, insane orchestrations of like really stupid pop songs or like really like <laughs> nostalgic or like tongue in cheek pop songs that you forgot about, but we sort of reinvent them. And funnily enough, the guy who arranges all the music with me was our musical director at, in the acapella group in college. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of like everything sort of come to fruition, but you'll, if you come to the show or, or you see me do like a stand up show where I'll do like just two or three songs to track it's, um, you know the songs are are they're just like perfectly they're perf they're so ripe. So they'll do like uh, "It Wasn't Me" by Shaggy or uh, something by Wham. Um, you know a Mandy Moore classic. I, I love which one? Uh, Candy, of course. But my uh, favorite, like we do "Lala" by Ashley Simpson, which I love oh to do man. because oh, it's man. like it's not even like her her like most popular song. It's like her. Second most popular song that was like in a Swiffer commercial (laughs) and her as an entity is just like astounded to think about like what she was. I don't know if you guys have ever gone back and watched the Ashley Simpson show on YouTube, her reality show, but it is an astounding watch (laughs) because it took place at a time where her sister was so famous that it just made sense financially to like give her some money to do, they were just like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And so they gave her money. And so there was a TV show about a girl who was not a musician. She had no music. She had no album, but the show is about her wanting to become a musician and releasing her first album. But like the whole show was constantly just basically a, a, a parade of events where she would get lost driving <laughs> <laughs> she'd like cry about like the boy she dated for like three weeks and then she would have to like there was oh my god there's like an amazing seg- um segment where she is late to a meeting with like two like 30 <laughs> something 40 something year old guys who clearly are just who just write pop songs. Like, they write pop songs. They, it's very corporate. And she's... And, like, MTV basically sets up this meeting where Ashley Simpson meets up with these two guys who are pretty much twice her age, and they bring a guitar, and she, like, just goes, and they sit on, like, the dunes that she can't climb up because she's, like, too goofy. And she, like, sit in, like, on, like, the dunes in, like, Malibu, and she just sort of, like puts a shawl over her and she, it's like, you know, the sweater's like too big for her body. And she's just like, <laughs> just keeps doing this as they write the music. And she's just like, like her job is just to like feel the music, even though she can't sing, can't write. Like it's insane. The whole show's a fucking, it's insane. Wait, so is she like singing along to it or just rolling her head? Just around? like just a lot of this as they write. And she's like, the creative yeah, process. yeah. Like that's what she keeps doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then ultimately, like the the sort of joke undercutting the whole show, even though the whole show is all about her being a like delivering an album and becoming a musician out of her sister's shadow, the whole show is undercut by very tongue in cheek, like winky winky editing that shows her 
not being able to sing. So she'll be at rehearsal being like, I can't do it. And they're like, you're out of key. And she's like, I'm sick. And then like, they'll go to a recording session. She's like, ah. And they're like, you just almost, like there's all these like jokes spread throughout the show that are basically like, uh, the, the editor is telling us like, doesn't she suck? She's just so bad, right guys? Like she's so bad. And so at every, tr- there's like, I remember there's like, um, there's this part where she goes to like a throat doctor and he's like, it's acid reflux. It's acid reflux. And so, she, and then, and then of course we all saw it like, you know, c- combust when she was on SNL and mm-hmm. f- couldn't sing and danced a jig. And then her career like just was just like, flatlined and never returned because it was it took however long it took for everyone to be like right what did we do here what did we do (laughs) and the song pieces of me is great but like that's not her that has nothing to do with her (laughs) so she just blows my mind so we sing we do her song lala Mm -hmm. which is like of course the ashley simpson song lala (laughs) yeah lala all about like fucking a guy the whole it's just it's so bad and so anyway so the whole show is um an insane collection of songs. Then we'll have, then I'll do like duets with like Andrew WK or Harmar Superstar or <laughs> whatever. Awesome. And, uh, you know, we change it around for the holidays and my sister Alana from Broad City gets involved and we do like Jewish stuff for Hanukkah and like, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a weird, weird, weird show. But, um, yeah, I, I went to, I went to, um, college initially for, uh, opera. And Whoa. so then I, and that's sort of why I think I'm just so, such a big fan of music in the first place. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, uh, the first time I ever saw you perform, you were singing Robin's call your girlfriend. Oh, Oh, Joe's pub. Oh yeah. 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 God, that was Robin is sort of also my queen. K W E N queen. (laughs) She's just unreal. That, that woman is just, she's just perfect. She's a perfect person. Mm -hmm. She's a perfect little person (laughs) with her perfect weird hair and her shoes and her music. I just, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't know how somebody makes dance music so like cerebral and Mm -hmm. thoughtful Mm -hmm. and emotional. And, Mm -hmm. and it's like all, Four four like height up tempo like fast dance music. But if you listen to it, you're like, oh my god, oh my god, call your girlfriend now, please. It's just like yeah. it's it's uh, oh, yeah. she's astonishing. I love her. Didn't she just put out something with Roy Scott too? Yeah, that's a good. It's tempo. not the greatest, but um, you know, we'll take what we can get. <laughs> it's not bad, but it's just like I went to go see her at uh, the Hollywood Bowl with Roy Scott, and mm-hmm. you know, Roy Scott is great, but you can tell everybody there was just like. Cool, cool, cool. Can you just, can you just get out of the way? So Robin, we just, we just watched Robin. We just watched Robin. You know, everyone's just like a Robin fanatic. And uh, I love her. I love her. She's part of that Swedish yeah. thing. They've got something that's happening there. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the candy. I don't, I don't know. Something in their licorice makes them into like musical geniuses. But she is one of them. She is just a... Yeah, she she rules. Yeah, it was hard for me. I, I was gonna like, I was thinking of like picking one of her songs, mm-hmm. but this Janet song just it sits in it me. won. Yeah, <laughs> big time. Yeah, it did. Um, so how did? But what got you into music initially? Like, uh, even oh. like younger. Oh, as a kid. Yeah. Um, were your parents particularly musical? Yeah, or? my dad played. My dad is uh is really good at piano and just plays, you know, 
he can he can read music and play, but he can also just play. I wouldn't even say by ear. It's just like he can just sit down and play. And my uncle can do the same thing. And so it's sort of like on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I had much of a different upbringing, you know, in terms of um, musical stuff. I mean, there was you know like the Beatles and a lot of like the James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, Carol King, Carly Simon. There was my parents. I will to their test to their uh, credit were. Um, open openly fans of the sort of like quiet storm r&b movement or whatever you want to call it so like the anita baker luther vandross Mm -hmm. michael mcdonald so as a i mean and i was a weird kid and i'd be like you know listening to their music but like i don't know what other eight-year-old white kids were like i love anita baker like i just (laughs) love i just love anita baker and i did i just like knew i knew her i knew like all the anita baker songs and like luther vandross like what kid is like oh Luther Vandross <laughs> but I love I, 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 you know I loved it that and means. I always had a predilection I think toward R&B and like yeah. even in high school I mean uh, I am 32 so I when I was in high school everybody was listening to like um, like Eminem and Blink 182 and like all those like shitty shitty like ska punk bands you know some 41 and like Alien Ant Farm and all these all these <laughs> bands that you think back now and you're like they were all like fuck you like that the, their whole vibe was like fuck you I'm I'm a punk fuck you <laughs> they and, were like asking their parents for allowance still like they weren't even tough I know but weren't wasn't their spirit still like to defy authority it was supposed to be stained right oh, stained, stained the pod the pride of Worcester Massachusetts <laughs> <laughs> limp is kid like all these basically like and um. <clears throat> The Offspring, mm-hmm. like all these bands that I think were like, I'm gross, like I'm annoying, <laughs> deal with it, and all, and that was just like, I just never, I was like, when all that was happening, even like Green Day, when everybody was listening to that stuff, I was very, very secretively listening to Erica Badu and like mm. worshiping her, <laughs> Shaka Khan, like, and I, I mean, I will say if I did. You know, sort of becoming a teenager. If there was something that I did subscribe to, I was a wholehearted, one hundred percent diehard Lilith Fair fan. I listened to all that shit. (laughs) I was like just riding high on estrogen from like nineteen (laughs) ninety six to nineteen ninety nine. Went to Lilith. Watch Cheryl Crow come out with a buzz cut, Ooh, and everybody nice. lost their minds because she looked so, you know, masculine. But mm. at the time, everyone was like, "Yes!" Like it was like Jesus had arrived with a crew cut. Um, but yeah, I love oh, I loved that shit. I loved Sarah McLaughlin. I convinced everybody that I thought she was really hot. Mm-hmm. That was sort of like my go to like fake crush was like Sarah McLaughlin. She's fucking hot, dude. And everybody was like, <laughs> what? It's like, yeah, no her and Brooke them? Shields. Yeah. <laughs> I like suddenly Susan Brooke Shields. I was like, mm, she's hot. H O double T hot. And everyone was like, you're gay. <laughs> no, but I, I pretended I thought that Sarah McLaughlin was like super fucking hot. Like everybody else was into like Jenny McCarthy. And I was like, Mm-mm. I like that. Like short hair, long shawl look. That's my thing. That's my type of woman. <laughs> oh, that's great. <clears throat> yeah, I love that that it's weird. I mean, you th- I, our parents or, or older generations think back so fondly to the music of their generation as being so um so you know, so so specific and so like 
you know, the, the baby boomers have like the Beatles and they have the Woodstock. Like that's like iconic music that has lasted forever. We had like some 41, like truly some 41. <laughs> like that was our Beatles, some 41. Or like Blink-182 was really our Beatles. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's I think, who, that was it. I mean, I do yeah. think sometimes like though that as, as kids, I mean, like as the Janet song points out though, it's like R&B was huge in the early 90s. It was king. Oh, so, and, and so, so like good. we were listening to a lot of that stuff, whether you chose to or not, because it was totally. just all over the radio. It was there. And and even when we, like, at least for me, like in high school, Destiny's Child was that's when they were getting big. And that was on pop. That was like pop radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I, I know I was like into it hardcore but i think other people might have been into it because it was just what was there mm-hmm. yeah it was like school dance music yeah it was school dance music but yeah. for me it was like it was like a uh, religion not religion that's not true <laughs> I, I i was obsessed with this like very um sapphic singer songwriter named alana davis i Loved her. Nobody knows who she is. Nobody knew who she was then. Um, all my friends were like, who? What? And I was like, she's my queen. I love her. She was just like this like really pretty biracial like folk singer who sort of, she was kind of like jazzy. And she kind of broke through when doing like a, <laughs> of course she did. She broke through doing a jazzy rendition of an Ani DeFranco song. Um, <laughs> um, and I went through that phase too, for sure. I was like, never shave your pits, Ani. Never shave your pits. <laughs> My favorite thing about like, the, about like the late 90s is that America as a whole, we were, like everybody was like would wonder every time Paula Cole performed if she had shaved. <laughs> that was like an unofficial sort of secret thing where it was just like, do you think Paula Cole shaved under her arms for this? You know, because you just never knew. Sometimes she didn't. Sometimes she did. But I think that was like that was like a thing. It was like a big deal that Paula Cole didn't shave her armpits. She was challenging everyone's. You know, she was, but I just love that as a like sort of like as a almost like as a cultural meme. Yeah, we were all yeah. like. Oh my god, we're gonna see if she shaved her armpits. And like on SNL, she like did this once, and I was like, she didn't. She didn't shave. <laughs> she didn't shave. Just like insane, just insane. But what a weird, fun moment in time. Lilith yeah. Fair, like wow, that was so cool. huge, so huge. I have like this weird memory of to me, and I don't know why Lilith Fair is directly linked with playing baseball. Why? Because <laughs> I think I think a lot of those songs are like really big at a time. Uh, at the at an age when what I would do um, every Sunday morning from probably age like eight to thirteen or fourteen, I would get up every Sunday morning in the winter and drive to Tufts University to their gymnasium, and I would like go to a baseball clinic essentially. A baseball clinic? <laughs> oh, oh, like a workshop? Yeah, thing. it's like a workshop, oh. but for sports. <laughs> Did yeah. they blast like Adia while you guys were like practicing your your? No, I think it was just a drive to and from. I would like, oh, that was like the music. There were like probably a couple of years there where I was actually absorbing the music or something like that. Yeah. And I just remember those were the years of Lilith Fair. And that's like the music I have associated with yeah. these indoor baseball clinics. It's like Paula Cole. Like every song, she was just like, every song, she just sounded more and more insane. Like she was just like, where's she pulling nuts? Well, I think she used to like, I think she used to like sing back up for Peter Gabriel. So maybe that was hard. Oh. Maybe that like weighed on her soul or something, but man, God, I just remember how in like serious and intense she was. And even like, 
the album cover because for I mean for me I was st- I was we still had CDs so I, I was very into looking at album covers and there was the one of her like nude on like a swing in the fire and it was like this 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 bitch is nuts <laughs> she must be nuts but I loved I love Paula Paula Cole I'm like Sarah McLaughlin also. I mean, she was so po- she was so popular. Yeah, those songs were everywhere, and you know now everyone's like the lady with the dogs from those yeah. dog commercials. <laughs> yeah. But like, she was so popular, it was crazy. You still hear them if you go into a supermarket. What like Adia? Adia, yeah. I do believe I failed you. What? <laughs> Who is Adia? What? <laughs> what are these songs? Like, oh my god! I remember also like a cool, a funny thing was. That song, sweets. This is this is this is crazy, but this is sort of what helped start the seed for this show, haunting renditions that we do. Is the idea of like remembering the inanity, the like inaneness of music a little bit. And so I was like peeing at a urinal at the gym, and "Sweet Surrender" was playing by, <laughs> by Sarah McLaughlin, and it got to the verse where she's like, I don't remember how the verse goes, but it's like she she says fuck. <laughs> And I remember, I like distinctly remember in high school just being like, oh my God. Like, like it was just like, that is so cool. Like, that is so cool. She said fuck in this song. And at Lilith Fair, everyone went nuts when she cursed. It was just like, it, and that's just like such a weird, small, like, it's like a weird little nugget of like trivia. Yeah. But it was so potent at the time you know right. the idea of like sarah mclaughlin saying fucking one song and there was like i don't know there was that song ice cream remember the song ice cream it was like no it was like her like groupie song it was just like i could love you like ice cream or something and, and the moment she played the first chords the, cr- the crowd went fucking bananas for a song <laughs> called ice cream <laughs> what a weird wonderful time what a weird wonderful time i mean it wasn't woodstock but you know right we <laughs> If we could, if we couldn't have. Our, we actually we did have our own Woodstock, and it was a nightmare. <laughs> Woodstock ninety nine. Oh, yeah. Woodstock yeah. ninety nine. Right, just like fires and mud, fire. D- d- yeah. d- oh Nails my god, was like a big, mud, a big, big fires. Yeah, yeah. But Limp Bizkit, I think that's who started the. Uh, they were trying to get somebody, people to throw stuff. And could you imagine incite? being at Woodstock and just everyone just being such shitheads that they're like, yeah, let's start a fire. Let's just start bond. Let's just like <laughs> not bond bonfires let's like let's light things on fire because what else are we gonna do like they just lit shit on fire right yeah what what at woodstock i can't imagine that uh so i'm from like i'm from massachusetts so we celebrate all sports victories or losses by rioting right that's a boss (laughs) my brother was uh or not my my brother had gone to umass amherst uh that's where my parents met oh really crazy that actually we they met at umass amherst so Every vacation in childhood was to Massachusetts. Every <laughs> single Massachusetts. vacation was to Lee or Northampton mm-hmm. or North Adams sure. or back to Lee or back to Northampton. <laughs> like just a, a, a circuit of Massachusetts because my parents like hold it so fondly. I love Massachusetts, but I never encountered the virulent racism yeah. and rioters that you're talking of. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, and my brother lived on a street that was, uh, was called Hobart. Uh, and it was just like notorious, like that's where things would get lit on fire. And Is that in Boston? Cars. No, no, no. It's in uh, Amherst, Massachusetts. Oh, they're in Amherst? Yeah. Those people? Those oh, people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we also do it in Boston. Um, See, but that's like, what I think it was. I think of like, problems. yeah. 
They call them assholes. They have, there's that name for a reason. Yeah. Because they drive poorly and they are mean, it sounds like. Short-sighted, yeah, okay. I think is a big part of it. Uh, <laughs> I've like, there's never... not like a lot of forethought that goes right. into those those events. It is funny know? because Massachusetts is such a um, academic place, yes. but then at the same time, you just damn, just very racist and and a lot of white racism. Oh, big time. Um, a lot of those hats that say like, or those visors that say like Cox, and you're, and it's like, nah, it's a college. It's like, well, I know why you're wearing it though. Yeah, the fact that you, <laughs> the fact that you said visors first is uh, isn't that isn't that what they wear? Like oh, those yeah. like like sideways visors. There's a lot of like um, uh, Cape Cod gear and um, golf gear that gets worn a lot. I think. See that that's also interesting. I mean, it's interesting because it's a. Again, kind of like Long Island, a plethora of white people doing yeah. different white things. We're not even that much of a. We're not even that much of a plethora. Like in my hometown, the equivalent of like what was really crazy popular musically in my high school, the band that people would go nuts for was Dispatch. Oh, <laughs> because they were oh. from like Tufts University or something was like Dispatch that, which is like the, the next same town over. As Guster. No, oh no, Guster's from Tufts. They literally all went to Tufts. They're not Dispatch the same. and Guster are two different bands. Separate. Yeah. They both shared, from Tufts. Uh, I think Dispatch is, I misspoke, is not from Tufts, but they're from the surrounding area. Wow. I think of Dispatch <clears throat> as Guster as the same thing as Rusted Root. It's all like the same thing. <laughs> they're from thing. Maine, I think. Okay, yeah. Rusted it's the same part of your CD book where you'd go like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah. today. Enough Dispatch. But yeah. That idea of people going nuts for the first chord of a song. No. That's dispatch in my high school. Oh, that was in my high school. That was no FX. Mm-hmm. Well, because <laughs> for me, at least, everybody was really... Um, Long Island was very uh, very active in the emo scene. Big time. Yes. So, again, another thing that I was just like, I don't get it. But all my friends were into like... They were always shows with like no effects and brand new and saving Tuesday, but bringing saving back Tuesday. I don't know. <laughs> I would, my friends were always, I would say that all the time. I'm like taking Sunday back to Tuesday. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and every band had like a name that was just like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. Like oh, yeah. a love right. for enemies. Every, like it was every, every band name was like, I dare you to fuck with me. I love for enemies. What was the what was the popular band that had the really long title? You will know me by the trail of the dead. Is that a uh, yeah, thing? They will know us by the trail of the dead. That is so annoying. <laughs> that is so incredibly annoying. Uh, Panic yeah. at the disco. Okay. We actually went and Pat and I went and saw um, a Long Island band this winter. The Movie Life. They like yes, reunited. Oh, I do remember that um, among people. But the Movie Life is a band that when they broke up and there was a new version of them, they made their name longer. They became I Am the Avalanche. Oh, <laughs> shut up! Where did you see them? Irving uh, Plaza. Yeah, Irving Plaza. Yeah. Oh, they played in the city. They played in the yeah. city. Oh, I was yeah. like, you went to Long Island, but it was like their hometown show. It was a wow. reunion. They have. They're right. not really together. So it was anymore. like all the kids that when they were around, we're listening to them just grown up in the same <gasps> outfit. <gasps> oh, big time. Oh my God. So like adult goth almost like a little yeah. adult emo. Oh, it was I want to see flashback. that. Yeah. Do they have flat ironed hair? Black flat iron over one uh, eye guy liner. Probably. Yeah. Remember that? Like everyone looked like Pete Wentz. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember that moment. Wait, who did he date? Ashley Simpson. That's right. Yeah. And they have a, didn't, they didn't, have a child named, Oh. Bronx Mowgli. 
I hate that. <laughs> I Bronx. hate that name. Can you imagine, like, being, imagine his funeral? Here, lay, here lies Bronx Mowgli Simpson Wentz or whatever. It's Bronx. definitely a hyphenated last name. What right? a name. Oh. Bronx. It's good for a solo act, though. Are they still together? Nope. She got married <laughs> to, goodness. oh, this is incredible. She got married to Diana Ross's son. So Whoa. Ashley Simpson's mother-in-law is Diana fucking <laughs> Ross. Can you imagine Thanksgiving? Can you imagine <laughs> That dum dum and Diana Ross looking at just the whole the whole meal is just like Diana looking at Ashley like, why why are you here? I shouldn't know who you are. Forget about you being in my house. I should have no idea who you are. They had a kid named Jagger Snow. Oh, she's the worst. Jagger. I guess like Jagger's Jagger could be a cool name. Like. Fine, it's a Maroon Five song. Fine, that's fine. But like, no. and maybe for like, a, it's fine. It's like, of course, Maroon Five has a song called "Songs Like ja- Move Like Jagger." But to name a child, like, no, 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 no. If you want to name a cat Jagger, that's fun. Yes, fun. A dog, f- okay. Not a child. Not a. Ch- do not name your child Jagger. It's like you can't love the Rolling Stones that much. You just can't. Nobody can. You can't love you can't love the Bronx that much thing your kid <laughs> <Right>. Bronx. <laughs> or the fucking jungle book. Like right. also pick your battles. Like Bronx Mowgli, that what? You're picking <laughs> that burrow and that is Mowgli the name of a child or a tiger in the in the jungle book? It's the child, right? Okay, so that's less offensive. But still it's like <laughs> that's like that's Staten a- Island Dock or like <laughs> Crude compromise. <laughs> so gross. It's so, ugh. Yeah. So I, I imagined. I can't even imagine like Diana Ross being like, Ashley. Who? What? Who is this? This is my fucking daughter-in-law. Can you imagine? Maybe she just still has no idea that Ashley Simpson was a famous person. She just that's, thinks this is Ashley. Absolutely <laughs> the case. Her son's like. What? She's yeah. You know? She's probably like. She's very pretty. <laughs> pretty girl. Probably pretty easy. My to favorite hide th- that show too. Oh, forget yeah. uh, Diana Ross has never seen YouTube, but I <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love um, the idea that. Uh, just I just love the idea. <laughs> also, I think I love the idea that Ashley Simpson also became. She sort of went from like dumb, dumb idiot girl to like, she was then sort of contextualized as like, um, like a wizened soul because she like became anorexic and got like a nose job. And so when she got like really skinny and like fixed her face or whatever and dyed her hair and had a stylist dresser in like boho clothes, then like the media started thinking of her as like, no, 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 she's Ashley Simpson. She's thoughtful now. She's thoughtful and smart <laughs> because she's like, you know, she weighs 10 pounds and she has a nose. Like all of a sudden she became like intelligent. You know, people thought of her as like smart and same thing with like Nicole Richie. She was like a slob, like a heroin addict slob. And then once she was like styled by Mm -hmm. Rachel Zoe or whatever, and like became too skinny, people were like, Oh, she's so smart and wise. She's so (laughs) smart. and She's so wise. And all the tabloids were like, mistress Nicole, which, you know, it's just like, it Uh changes, it changed. They changed their perceptions of them, but we all will, we will never forget. Like (laughs) Ashley Simpson dancing, that dancing, that stupid jig was like on par with nine 11 for our generation. (laughs) You just won't forget it. You won't forget it. You won't forget where you were. You won't forget it. Yeah. 
And I actually interned at SNL when that happened. Whoa. And so when that when that happened, I was like, I got a, I, I ran, I like bolted downstairs to see like what the fuck, because the interns were only allowed on a certain floor, not mm-hmm. like on the stage 8H during the show. Mm-hmm. But I bent the rules for that one because I wanted to see what was happening. And I got downstairs just in enough time to hear And I'm not like, this sounds like I could make, it sounds so fake, but I got downstairs just to like peek over enough to hear her father say to Ashley Simpson, we'll blame it on the band. (laughs) (laughs) We'll blame it on the band. And then at the end of the show, she blamed it on the band. Yep. She looked in the camera and said something like, sorry guys, my band played the wrong, like she blamed it on the band. Uh, Actual musicians who can play yeah, instruments. That's miserable. That's miserable. She can't do it an- because she can't because she couldn't do anything. She couldn't do it. But yeah, that was uh, that was tantamount for everyone in this room. I know it. Of course. <laughs> you will never forget where you were. JFK, 9-11, <laughs> Ashley Simpson. Um, great. Well, speaking of real musicians... Uh, <laughs> We have uh, we have a we have a musical artist guys here tonight who's our musical guest. Uh, would you like to hear a cover of Janet Jackson's "If"? I would. Yeah. Would you? Uh, guys, we're gonna welcome uh, Mickey Hommel up to the stage. We're gonna get her set up here. Uh, so we're gonna take a little break. Well, not a break. We're just gonna get her keyboard out here, and she's gonna play a song for us. Over here staring in your face with lust in my eyes sure you don't give a damn yeah you don't know that i've been dreaming of you in my fantasies you never looked at me don't even realize i'm waiting for you to fulfill my needs you think what you Oh 
ask who it belongs to. Yeah. If I was your woman, all the things I do to you, but I'm not, so I can't give up one more. If I was your girl, yeah, but I'm not, so I won't. Oh, I'm leading back, excited over you. Mickey's going to do one more for us to close out the evening, but uh, let's give a round of applause to our guest, Elliot Glazer. Um, and thank you guys so much for coming out. Uh, this has been Repeater at QED. Uh, Pat and I say thanks. Uh, one more time, Mickey Hommel, everybody. Thank you guys so much for having me out. Thank you, Evan. So I know Evan from the Magnet Theater. So let's make up a song together. Let's do some improv. All I need are some topics. Just shout out any word. I'll do my best. Ready, set, go. Licorice. Licorice. What was the other one? Lung? Did you say lawnmower? Yeah, you did. Lawnmower, licorice. Any? Janet Jackson. <laughs> Anyone else? We're good? Okay. Baseball. So we had baseball, licorice, lawnmower, Janet Jackson. That was it, right? Sick. This is your QED <laughs> song about random shit. Oh my God, look at you in those tight spandex pants. Isn't that what they play baseball in? <laughs> Good. I saw you at the clinic on Sunday night. <laughs> you were grooving at 80 and I was like, yeah, that's right. I'll be a Janet Jackson tonight. Baby, I'll treat you right. Hey, remember that album cover? Well, baby, let's rediscover it all. I'll be a Janet Jackson tonight. Yeah, oh, I'll hold you tight. Rediscover that but she's got no top, you know what I mean? Ooh, you and me. <laughs> yeah. He was like, whoa, girl, you came on strong. And I was like, whoa, how is that wrong? It's 
take you out for some licorice. And I was like, ooh, ooh, you're so sweet. I know something that we could do. Lawnmower time. Because <laughs> I'll be a Janet Jackson all night. I could really, really hold you tight. Hey, remember that album cover? We sure got no top, so it's all my best ass. Me and you, yes. Janet Jackson's in my eye. Oh, show you dance moves all night. He was like, fine, that sounds cool. Tonight, believe me. Take off your top. Let's do this cover photo right. I've been a Janet Jackson all night. Yeah, boy, hold me tight. All oh, these album covers gonna look so sick. Let's put it on Instagram tonight. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Janet Jackson. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> awesome. Mickey, where can people find your music? Oh, you can find me on iTunes. Mm. You can also have the album with me today if you want it. Oh, yeah. Talk to Mickey after the show, guys. Thank you so much for coming out. This has been Repeater. If you can't get enough of Elliot, you can catch him performing in Los Angeles, singing beautiful songs on his YouTube channel, and writing, acting, slash making funnies on numerous television shows. For all the goods, hit up ElliotGlazer.com. That's Glazer with a Z. And whoa, man, Mickey Hommel. She was incredible. Mickey's album, On the Moon, is out now, and she performs regularly in New York City. You can listen to her album and keep track of tour dates at MickeyHommel.com. How lucky are we? This show was so rad, and it was legit the second show we ever hosted. Wow. It's almost like we may never be better than when we started. Maybe we should just give up. I think so. Goodbye forever, folks. And remember, hit repeat. Evan, put a shirt with a $20 bill in it on. Repeater is hosted by Evan Forbarden and Patrick Cartelli at QED in Astoria, Queens, a place to show and tell. Find out more at qedastoria.com. Our show is supported in part by Hi-Fi Records and Cafe in Astoria. Visit them from wherever you are at hi-fi-records.com. Editing by Stephen Garvey. Theme music by The Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater. <laughs>